السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فيعيبه الله يقول الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه العزيز إنما المؤمنون الذين إذا ذكر الله وجلت قلوبهم وإذا تريت عليهم آياته زادتهم إيمانا وعلى ربهم يتوكلون صدق الله العليم العظيم إن شاء الله تدل We're going to go over the third صفت the third attribute or the third characteristic of قلب السليم We went over the introduction, we mentioned that there are 10 characteristics. Number one was mutmain. Number two was mutmain, to feel peace, comfort, a feeling of tranquility and peace, sukun. The second one was munib. Munib comes from the word inaba in Arabic, which means to constantly turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today we're going to go over the third one, which is known as wajin. Which is known as wajin or wajilun. As the verse I just remind, recited, Remember, anything that we talked about the sifat of qalb salim all of them had the word kulu or qalb with it in Arabic. So, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُ The believers, the true believers are those when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name is mentioned, their hearts tremble. So, wajil, we're going to go over the word wajil today, inshallah. Wajil in Arabic literally means to be scared, to be afraid of something, to be scared of something or someone. There's some fear in you. That's what wajil literally means. In the Quran, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using there in Islamic context, wajil means, in this verse it refers to, it refers to a heart that is constantly worried and reminds itself that it needs to do better and it needs to improve. As we go over, I'm going to explain how that meaning comes into play. So wajil and the Quran means, wajil literally means to be scared of, to be afraid of something or someone. In Quranic context, it means 
that heart will just constantly worry and it reminds the heart constantly that it needs to improve and do better. That's what wajah means. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another place in the Quran he says, الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَالصَّابِرِينَ عَلَى مَا أَصَابَهُمْ وَالْمُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِمَّا رَذَكَنَاهُمْ يَمْتِمُهُمْ Those whose hearts tremble when Allah is mentioned. So having a heart with appropriate amount of fear is important. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the people of Jannah and the people of Jahannam, watch what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Our, all of our goals is to be what? To be the people of Jannah. Our goal is to be the people of Jannah. Allah says in a few verses describing the people of Jannah. And it continues. And I mentioned before, whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about muttaqeen, sabi, etc., He talks about their characteristic attitude. One of the characteristic of al-muttaqin, Allah says in this verse, قَالُوا إِنَّا كُنَّا قَبْلُ فِي أَهْلِنَا مُشْفِقِينَ إِنَّا كُنَّا قَبْلُ We were before. Switch the mic. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing the people of Jannah. One of the characteristics he mentions about the people of Jannah, pay attention because I'm going to take two different verses and explain to you what, what, how, what conclusion we're coming to. From two com completely different places. Allah is describing the people of Jannah and he's mentioning characteristic of them. And he says, the people in Jannah will say, Ya Allah, before this, and before Akhirah, when we were the people of dunya, we were mushriqeen. What does mushriqeen mean? People that are constantly worried. They're constantly scared. They have fear in them. They're constantly worried. They have their guard up. They're worried about what to do next, how everything is going. Then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the people of Jahannam, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the people of Jahannam, of hell, He talks about their characteristic in this dunya. Yani the people who received the book behind them. These are the people of Jahannam. What is their characteristic? In this dunya, إِنَّهُ كَانَ فِي أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُورًا Masrura, surur, surur, what does surur mean? To be happy. So Allah is saying when He's describing, He's describing the people of Jahannam, He said their characteristic in this dunya was, They were happy. What does happy mean? They were complacent. What does that mean? That means, okay, what does complacent mean? Complacent means, that I don't want, I'm happy, I'm satisfied with who I am, I'm good, I'm amazing, I have amazing characteristics, I don't have anything I need to approve, I'm good as is. Right? I don't have anything to worry about. Right? And when you play sports, and you have a, a huge lead, 
You become complacent. Okay, I don't need to play as hard anymore. But I have such a huge lead. But we know that even if you have a huge lead, then you need to stay on point. You need to stay on guard because they can make a comeback. Right? And when you look at the Atlanta Falcons when they were 28 and 3 up, they became complacent and they lost. So you cannot become happy. We never become complacent. We're always worried. That is the characteristic of people of Jannah, the constantly world. They're worried. And the people of Jahannam, they're happy. Okay, whatever, I'm okay. I got nothing to do. I'm amazing. You know who I am? I got nothing to worry about. But we obviously want to be the people of Jannah. There are two qualities of this heart of Wajah. I'm going to explain to you what it means to have the fear of Allah. We're getting there, John. In the word wajan, there's two characteristics. I told you it means to be afraid, and also you always you're also trying to improve and get better. So we need two qualities, two key qualities of this type of heart. Right? Wajilat there's two qualities. Number one, khauf or khashia. Both mean fear. Fear of Allah. I'm going to explain the difference between the two and John. Khauf and khashia both mean the fear of Allah. And number two, ihsan. Ihsan, the constant drive to improve and get better. Okay, what is fear of Allah, which is khawf and khashya? And the second thing is ihsan, the constant drive to improve and get better. Both things are connected. Now look at it. An appropriate amount of fear is what pushes a person to get better. For example, a person has a fear of failing. So that pushes a person to study harder. Again, fear. I want to adjust the word fear. He's scared or he's fearful of failing his exams. If he fails his exams, he won't get his degree. He won't pass the exams. So the fear of failing drives that person to do better. So let's look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it in the Quran. وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ those who have been given, their hearts will be wajila. Wajila, again, that fear. What does it mean to be wajila? This verse is revealed that those who are scared, they constantly turn to Allah. They are the ones who rush towards doing good. They are the ones who are going to be in me. Now think about this for a second. If I, to say, if I were to say, those people who are full of fear, they're the ones who keep turning back to, they're the ones who need to turn to Allah, and they are the ones who need to make an effort to rush to khair and doing good. And they are the ones who need to proceed ahead. What does that generally sound like? It sounds like the person we're talking about it sounds like the person we're talking about is full of sins. Okay, if you're a sinful person, you need to make an effort to stop sinning, and you need to rush towards doing good, and proceed and get ahead of everything. So Aisha when this verse was revealed, she asked the Messenger of Allah is this referring to the people who have sinned and they are scared because of their sins? Is this verse referring to the people who have sinned 
and they are scared because of the sins that they committed, Ya Rasulullah. Is that not a question? Because if someone is doing good deeds, why would they need to rush to doing khair and good? They're already good. Why do they need to rush? They've already done so much. The Masjid of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, no, no. This is referring to those who do good, but they're afraid of if whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to accept my good or not. Okay, I fasted. I gave zakah. I come to the masjid on a daily basis. I pray my five daily prayers. I read Quran. I do all of this khair. I do all of this good. Is Allah going to accept it? That's the fear they have. So, وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَىٰ is not referring to a heart that's scared due to sins. It's referring to a heart that is scared, that is scared due to doing good, but fear that wasn't accepted or not. See, if a person thinks, okay, I've done so much good, I'm accepted. I've done my, I've done my part. I'm ready to go meet Allah. I've done so much khair, Jannah is guaranteed for me. That person will no longer want to do khair anymore. Okay, I've done so much, I don't need to do no more. I don't need to read Quran. You know how much Quran I recited this past Ramadan? I recited enough Quran this past Ramadan that I'll last me till next Ramadan. No, we become complacent. We don't even know if that Quran that we recited in the Ramadan was it accepted or not. We don't even know if the fasting of Ramadan was accepted. We hope, we have hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted, but we don't know. So this verse is not referring to those who have sinned and they're scared due to their sins. This referring to the people who have done good, but they're scared their good was not accepted. They're always still trying to do good and they want to be first. They don't just sit there and say, I've done good enough. They're the ones who go ahead and the Prophet and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another verse describes the virtue of sabiqum. Who is Sabiqun again? Those who have done good, but they fear that their good is not accepted, so they continue to rush to keep doing good. For example, you get an opportunity to do good. You're like, okay, I'm going to come to the masjid, I'm going to clean. And you say, you know what, I've cleaned so many times, I'm not going to let somebody else do it now. I'm not going to rush to doing khayrat anymore. No, no. We always rush to do khair. The Prophet was the greatest of human beings. During the battles, they did not have enough means of transportation. So they would share horses and they would share camels. And they would, you know, have three a three of horse, three of camel. So they would take turns. So the Sahaba who were in turns with the Prophet, they would tell the Messenger of Allah, you can have our turn. We don't want you to walk. We will walk you, take our turn too. The Prophet will respond to him. I'm in need of good deeds too. I want to walk you back. The Prophet didn't need anything. The greatest of human beings, the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he was always rushing to do khair. I have an opportunity to do good, I'm going to do good. I'm not going to just be like, okay, I don't need to do it no more, I've done enough, you do it. No. I'm going to rush towards doing khair. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who do good fear that their good is not accepted, so they rush to keep on doing good. They are sabiqun. What's the reward of sabiqun? Was sabiqun as sabiqun? Ula'ika al-mukarrabun. The sabiqun as sabiqun are those Ula'ika al-mukarrabun. They're beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're close to mukarrab. Allahumma ja'alna min al-mukarrabi. Oh Allah, make us from amongst close people. 
If we're close to Allah, what does this mean? Okay, I'm Mukarram, close to Allah, what does that mean? A worldly example. If someone is close to a wealthy person, you're friends with a wealthy person, or you're friends with a, power, a person in power, then you automatically benefit from that person's power. You automatically benefit from that friend's wealth. You know you're included in his circle of friends, his wealth will benefit you. His power will benefit you. So when Fir'aun called the magicians around the world, what did he, and they asked, okay, we're not going to do it for free, what's our reward? And Fir'aun responded to them, you will be from amongst my close people. Okay? We're going to be amongst your close people? We're going to benefit from the company of Fir'aun and his power and his wealth? We're going to get whatever we want? We will try to be, Musa wasala, to be close, Mukarrab, to Fir'aun. So, when we are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't need anything else. When our hearts are attached to Allah, if the entire dunya is against us, it doesn't mean anything to us. My heart is connected, Mukarram, I'm close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm not worried. So, السابقون, السابقون, so, without an appropriate amount of fear, people get complacent. Now, what is fear? I mentioned there's a word, a word called khawf in Arabic and a word called khashya in Arabic. Khawf in the Quran, Allah has the both used in the Quran. Subhanallah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, wa khawfuna in kuntum mu'mineen or nasa wa khshawni. So the word khashya and the word khawf are both found in the Quran. Khawf is used for fear of punishment and that encourages you to do that. For example, you don't speed out of fear that a cop is going to pull you over and give you a ticket. Because you're scared of a punishment. You're scared you will suffer some consequences. So khawf is fear of punishment. So how do we gain khawf? Remember, again, this is not an education, this is something that we want to take back home. How do we gain khawf? Okay, what are the punishments of Allah? What are the punishments of the Qabr? What are the punishments of Jahannam? How does the Prophet ﷺ describe the punishment of the Qabr? Why is it so important to recite Surah Al-Mulk every night so we're protected from the punishment of the Qabr? Or waqina adab al-Qabr? We ask Allah to protect us from the punishment of the Qabr. In one narration, the Prophet ﷺ said, the disbelievers, when they are in the Qabr, remember this is the Qabr, it's not even Jahannam yet. The Prophet ﷺ describes their sin, that the people of Jannah, the people that will go to Jannah, the Qabr will expand for them. It will widen for them. And they will see the meadows and the gardens of Jannah in front of them. And they will have sukoon and peace in their cover. As for the people of Jahannam, as for the disbelievers, the earth will become tight on them. It will become extremely tight. And the Prophet described it in such a scary scene. He said, they will be so tight, they will be so crushed that the Prophet took his hands and he said the ribs were interlocked between each other like this. That is the punishment of the cover. And there's so many more narrations that talk about the punishment of the Qabr that describe the punishments of Jahannam. Abu Talib, in narrations it comes that Abu Talib, only his ankle will be burning. He will have the least painful punishment in Jahannam. Abu Talib will have the least painful punishment in Jahannam. 
and his only his, he will be burnt only up to his ankles. But Abu Talib will think he has the worst of punishments. Even that will be so painful. It will be so difficult to tolerate it. Abu Talib will think that he has the worst punishment in Jannah. So when you learn about the punishment of the Qabr, when you have fear of death and some, you know, that Allah will punish you and you can possibly go to Jahannam, then that, will, that fear of punishment will allow you to do that. Number two, read history and learn about those who were destroyed despite being much stronger than us. Okay, we think we're strong, we're powerful, we're smart, we have money, we have wealth, we have intellect, we have cars now like they didn't have before, we can make money so easily, we have such an easy going life, we're more powerful than the people before us. Remember, they were stronger, they were bigger, they, were, they could do things that we can't do. But Allah, despite their shock, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still destroyed them who never expected punishment either. Afa'aminu, Allah describes it. Afa'aminu makr Allah, fala ya'minu makr Allah illa al-qawm al-khashirun. Do they feel secure from the plan of Allah? The Yahud came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it in the, in the Quran. That we are the chosen ones. We're going to, when we die, we're going to return to Allah. We're going to go to Jannah. We are the chosen ones. The Prophet وسلم, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them, Okay, then why don't you just kill yourself? You're going to Jannah anyways. All you have to do is die. All you have to do is die. But then they won't do it. Because they know the reality is they're not guaranteed. So we don't become secure. They became secure. Oh, we're going to Jannah anyways. We're the chosen ones. We're guaranteed Jannah. That's how they spoke. Do we have security? Do we feel peace that from the plan of Allah? Do we feel secure? No one feels secure from the plan of Allah except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Al-Khasirun. Those are the losing people. The people that will go to do they feel secure, safe, that they will not come to them in overwhelming punishment that will completely overwhelm them? Do they think that the hour will not come all of a sudden? Well, they don't know. Unless saying, where did you get that much comfort to think that you have nothing else to worry about? Allah describes those people who forgot about his remembrance. And this could be a scene of this era narrative. What is Allah saying? Allah saying people forgot about him. Allah opened the doors of everything for them. They had everything they wanted. The nicest cars, the nicest house. They had everything they desired, they had. Until they were so happy with what they received. Oh, they thought everything was going good. Nothing bad can happen to me. And our own example, everything is going good. All of a sudden, COVID comes. The world, shut, the world shuts down. That's reminding us, no, I can shut down this world instantly. Doesn't matter how much power we have, doesn't matter how rich America is, doesn't matter how much advancement we have in technology, unless I can shut down this dunya, there's nothing you can do about it. Allah is describing him. 
Allah opened up the doors of everything. Anything they wanted, they could instantly have it. Allah says, I grabbed them, I seized them, Baghdad, all of a sudden. All of a sudden, Allah grabbed them. They weren't even prepared for it. And they became completely hopeless. So, we need to have a fear of punishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to punish me if I do wrong. And this aspect right here helps us focus on our own faults. After the mistakes we have made, how can we not be scared? The most knowledgeable person about your sins is you. You know about the sins that you have committed in the darkest and the darkest and the darkest of places. You know about the sins that no one knows except for you. So when your mind is focused on your own sins, I have done so much wrong, I'm scared Allah is going to punish me. How do I have time to look at the punishment of others? However, nowadays it's the opposite. People focus on the faults of others, which takes their focus away from themselves. No, you know, look at this person. He did this, he did that, she did this, he did this, she did that. They did this, you don't know what they did. No, no, okay. What did you do? What did you do? Have you looked at your own reflection in the mirror? You have your own problems to look at. As if you're perfect and going guarantee each other. So khashya means to have fear of punishment and that, uh, that encourages you to look at. Oh, that was cool for me. Now khashya means, khashya is used for fear of disappointment. This is a different type of, a type of fear. And this is actually stronger than khawf. It's easy to do good when you're scared about punishment. You know your parents are going to punish you. You know your teachers are going to punish you. You know society is going to ruin your, your, your reputation. is going to be ruined in society. You know that the cop might pull you over. You know you might go to jail. You, when you have fear of punishment, it becomes a little bit easier to do good. Khashya means you have fear of disappointing someone you love. And I'm scared of them. You don't want to hurt them. They're so amazing. They're so amazing, but we don't want to hurt them. The more we learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are able to gain more khashya. You don't want to get, get bad grades in school. We don't want to, when we're growing up, or we just got married, or we're trying to get a job, we're trying to become financially well, we don't, we want to get good grades, we want to do a good job, because we don't want our parents to be disappointed with us. The love we have for our parents, we don't want them to be disappointed in us. We want our parents to say that we are proud of you. Right? Because you want to feel the love of your mother, you want to feel the love of your father, you want to earn their love because you don't want to disappoint them. But human nature, that's what we do. We don't want to disappoint our parents. So khashya is used for fear of disappointment. Khashya is a higher level than khawf. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ The ulama had the khashya of Allah. And I mentioned before, al-ulama is not referring to the terminology of ulama we use nowadays, which is scholars. Al-ulama means one with knowledge. What does this tell you? The more you learn about Allah, the more khashya we will achieve. 
the more we learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more we will be in awe of Him. And we discussed this already a little bit in Qalb al-Mutma'in. Well, another way that we can achieve the khashiyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is obviously we're going to learn, learn more about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the ways to do that is learn the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go over the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, read about them, read the meaning, and learn what they mean, and you want to understand the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And inshallah, one day, uh, at one point, inshallah, we'll do a series of the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, another way. So a third way, so one was to learn more. Number two was to uh, focus on the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three, and regularly, consistently think about and focus on the blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us despite our shortcomings. We've done so much wrong. Yep. Allah says, I love this person so much, I'm still going to give up. He still continues to bless us. You know, when you hurt someone so badly, when you wrong them so badly, at a point where they should never give you a second chance, and that person still gives you a second chance, how can we further disappoint that person? Likewise, Allah has given us more second chances than any human being will ever give us. How can we further disappoint someone who has and continues to do so much for us? And Allah keeps doing it. Allah is saying, you sinned, you sinned so much that it reached the skies, you sinned so much that you, you think that you're at such a level that no one has sinned more than you. Allah says, my rahmah sabakat ghadabi. My rahmah has surpassed my anger. My, you think my mercy does not outweigh your sins? Allah is giving us comfort. No, no, my doors are always open. However, there needs to be a balance with a fear and a hope. The key thing is an appropriate amount of fear. That means there needs to be a balance between hope and fear. And a person should not be should not have so much fear that they lose hope. And a person should not have so much hope that they become complacent. There needs to be a balance. You don't become so much, you don't become so fearful that you, okay, there's no, there's no, there's no hope left for me. That's a trick of shaitan. And we shouldn't become so hopeful, I've done so much, or Allah is so amazing, He's going to forgive everything, i got nothing to worry about, I can do whatever I want. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala describes this so beautifully. He says, لَوْ نَادَ مُنَادِمِنَ السَّمَاءِ If someone from the sky were to call out, any an angel were to call out, and he calls out and he says, All of you, all of you are going to enter Jannah. All of you are going to enter Jannah except for one person. I would be I would be scared that I'm that one person that won't go to Jannah. And 
And he said, if a caller were to call up, and he says that all of you are going to enter Jahannam, except for one person, then I would have hope that I am that one person that won't go to Jahannam. That's the balance we need. That complete hope and that complete fear. The second characteristic of wajida. Remember, khawf and khashya was a characteristic of wajida, the second one. Al-ihsan, the drive to better oneself. Al-ihsan, the drive to be, to strive to be excellent, to strive to be perfect. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَتَبَ الْإِحْسَانَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ Allah wants ihsan in everything. Allah wants ihsan, ihsan in everything. فَإِذَا قَتَلْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُ الْقِتْلَةِ وَإِذَا ذَبَحْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُ الْقِرْحَةِ The Prophet says that Allah wants you to be wants you to excel in everything that you do. Meaning Allah wants you to do everything in its most perfect manner in accordance to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes to be perfect. Prophet continues, When they're on the battlefield, he's training this when you're on the battlefield and you're fighting, then fight properly. Don't become weak, don't become cowards, become strong and give it your best. When you slaughter an animal, then slaughter it properly. And the Prophet describes what is proper. Make sure the knife is sharp. When you sharpen the knife, don't sharpen in front of the animal. Why should you sharpen? So it easily slaughters the animal. Because if the knife is dull, it's going to cause too much pain to the animal. Whatever we do, we do it in the most excellent of manner in accordance with what Allah considers excellent. As Muslims, we are told to do our best in everything that we do. Our best, not the best, there's a difference. One thing is when we play basketball, we want to be, what some people say, okay, that's the best player. That's not what the Prophet said. The Prophet said, do your best. At the end of the day, you can say, I tried my hardest. I gave it my utmost best, my utmost best. Not the best out of everyone, but this is the best that I could do because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger of Allah subhanahu expect me to try my hardest and to do my best. So this hadith of the Prophet sallallahu shows us that we should try to excel in everything we do. It's not just about getting the job done and doing the minimum. Kathir, you know, it's good enough. Now obviously if a person has multiple things to do, then obviously that way where he's able to delegate the tasks that, you know, that way he's able to monitor all of the projects. But generally what you do, even when you're monitoring and delegating, you are doing the best job at delegating. In any relationship, whether it's a friend or a spouse, husband, wife, children, if one side is only doing the bare minimum to get by, how will the, how will the relationship remain strong? What does that say about how much care and a love a person has? Then I do, they're like, okay, this is good enough. Okay, this is the best you're gonna get. I'm not doing more, this is good enough. No, we have to do our best. And this is one of the biggest problems of the youth of this ummah. The youth of this ummah don't have a drive to be excellent. 
We are easily satisfied with whatever gets us by. It's good enough. I don't care. I don't want to work as hard as my parents. That was their time. We don't work as hard anymore. Our elders used to work hard. We don't work hard no more. We just want to have fun, chill, do our thing. It's against the teachings of Allah's Messenger. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even says this in the Quran. In Allah, and we read it, every day, every friend, in Allah ya'muru, ya'muru bil adli wal ihsan. Allah commands you to be just and to do ihsan. Another verse in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wa ahsinu, in Allah yuhibbul muhsineen. Do your best. Try to do your best. Excel. Allah loves those who excel. And the famous hadith of Jibreel alayhi salatu Ihsan was described as worshipping Allah as if you can see Him. Or at least being aware that He's watching you. This is the highest level of Ihsan. That I'm watching Allah and Allah sees me. Okay, Allah is watching me. This is the highest level of Ihsan. We'll end with this inshallah. There are three ways that we can concentrate on achieving Ihsan. Number one is to build khawf and khashya, as we have already mentioned enough. Number two, take time out. What does it mean to be better? What does it mean to improve? That means I am deficient in something. I want to find out what my deficiency is and to improve in that. So take time out to focus on your weaknesses and think about them. Okay, what am I bad at? Let me look at all my weaknesses. Let me look at all the things that I'm not good at. And it also helps to have a guide or a friend that points out our weaknesses. So we go to a friend, we go to a guide, a worship, a shame, and we ask him, okay, you know me, you're pretty close to me, you're my friend. I'm just asking, I'm not going to get upset, I'm not going to get mad. Can you tell me everything that's bad about me, that you think is bad about me? I'm not going to take any offense. I just want to know what you perceive from your perspective, what are bad things about me that I could improve. Now, this doesn't give power to the other one. You're not giving power to the other one. You are trying to become aware of your own faults and weaknesses. We need to learn to be receptive when people point out our faults instead of taking offense to them. There is a scholar by the name of Hassan Tanmi, Murana Ashrafali Tanmi, Rahmatullah. He was a famous scholar from the Indian subcontinent who passed away near the mid-1950s. And he's written hundreds of books, hundreds of works, and, thousands, and he had thousands of disciples, many followers and students in India. One of his disciples, they complained about one of his khadams and servants whose name was Niyaz. They said, When he speaks, they said he speaks rudely with others, and always argues with guests. So as a Tamil, he called, he said, Oh, yes. Why are you going around and arguing with others? The Khadim, who was actually very close to as a Tamil, he blurted out and he said, Hadrat, fear Allah, don't lie. As a Tamil, he realized his mistake that he accused him of something without first clarifying or having proof. And he said, Istighfar and apologize. And this is the problem we have. Someone comes and just points out, okay, you know what that person does wrong? We have a bad habit of as soon as we hear something, we believe it as if it's the truth. 
In another incident, he found out that one of his disciples, when he would receive letters, and in the letters, if they spoke bad about Hazrat if they spoke bad about him, that disciple would, would throw it away, wouldn't give it to him. He didn't want him to know what they were saying. One day, Hazrat Ali found out and told him, From now on, I want you to let me read those letters. Because let me read them. If there's something true in there that I need to make better, and I need to improve it, then I'm going to fix it. And if it's something that's not true, then the sin is on them. But I want to see what mistakes I have so I can improve. I'm not looking at their faults. I'm not looking at the fact how rudely they spoke. No, no, I want to know. Is there something in there that truly is within me that I might need to fix? So be open and receptive to hearing something wrong about you so you can improve and get there. And number three, have a plan for improvement. Okay, now I know my weaknesses. Now how am I going to fix them? Once you have identified your weaknesses and faults, make a plan on how to fix them. This is best done under a friend that can help you or a guide. Have a worship or a ship. Have short-term goals that are achievable. As human nature, this helps us stay motivated. Unfortunately, success is addictive. When you keep having, you keep reaching these small short-term goals, you are successful. You are successful. And ex experiencing some level of success makes you want to have more success. So if a person is trying to lose weight, right? They're going to say, okay, my first goal is five pounds, five pounds, five pounds, you know, five pounds. And my goal is five, five pounds. And I have some punishments set aside, self-rectification punishments. If I didn't reach my short-term goal because I messed up, then I need some kind of punishment that has an effect on me. And inshallah, these three tips, inshallah, will help us improve Ihsan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Purify our hearts, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a heart that is described in the Quran as Wajiha, Jazakumullah Khairam, Bafir Dawana, and Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.